You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome in to this episode of Bare Bones. As the introduction said, I am Mason West. Uh, there is no Danny Meehan today. Uh, he's got a little vacation, so he's actually going to miss this week and next week. But I do have two substitutes that are going to do a stellar job filling in for Danny. Uh, th- this week, we're going to have Kyrie Thompson, friend of the podcast, come in. He's taking care of a couple things, uh, so he'll be down shortly and joining the podcast very soon. Uh, but for right now, we're just going to be talking a little bit about what has been going on. So week one, Packers, super big week. Everyone's excited. I'm excited. Uh, it's one of those things where, you know, there's been a lot of talk all summer. It's been exhausting, <laughs> to be completely honest, uh, at, throughout this entire process. Because when it comes to the Bears in particular, you know, it's one of those teams where if you told me they won five games this year or they won 10, wouldn't surprise me either way. Reason being is there's a lot of factors going on here, right? And one of the biggest ones is Justin Fields. One of the things that's very frustrating when it comes to, I'm sure for him, and when it comes to someone who watches and follows the Bears, is the perception of him, right? And what he can or cannot do as a passer. And that's one of the things that hopefully, right, gets changed and that narrative shifts in this first week. So uh, we have revamped the show a little bit. Um, we're going to have a lot of the same conversations, but maybe a little bit of an order. One of the things that uh, we're changing up is how much we talk about the previous game, uh, which, you know, we had probably 15 to 20 minutes where we would talk about that this week or this week and going forward. We're going to instead have something called chart review. This is where myself and whoever else is part of the pod this week will be Kyrie. Uh, just going to talk about notes from the previous game, things that are important for the next week. Now, obviously, there was no previous game. So, brief discussion about what went on in the off season that have that has led us to this point. A couple of key notes that I think, right? Number one, we already talked, I just talked about this a little bit, Justin Fields, his progression and the weapons that they've added around him or the protection that they've given him. 
it's well established that the offensive line was not very good last year. It's well established that the weapons, especially against man coverage, not very good last year. All right. The Bears were pretty awful in terms of creating separation and passing the ball. So what do they do? Brian Poles went out with that number one pick, turned it into DJ Moore, turned it into a couple other picks and going forward. What else did he do? Right. There's someone that we'll talk about a little bit later in the show, and I'm sure it's going to be a little bit of a hot button topic. He went and signed a Nate Davis. They went ahead and they drafted a Darnell Wright, trying to shore up that offensive line. Now things happen and you have injuries. Now all of a sudden, right, Tevin Jenkins got hurt. Bilateral calf strain is what we're hearing. Uh, You end up having, uh, excuse me, Lucas Patrick, Cody Whitehair injured his snapping hands. And they're saying he's healthy at this point. So, you know, clearly they like what Lucas Patrick is going to give them more at center. So now you have Lucas Patrick at center. I think he had five to eight snaps at center. So before y'all go biting my head off um, about Lucas Patrick and how bad he was last year, he was not great. Let's be real. He wasn't. But keep in mind, A, he was brought in to play center. He ended up having to play guard because he also was injured and ended up having to play with the club on his hand. I don't care if you're playing center, if you're playing guard, playing tackle. It is pretty darn hard to block anybody when you're having a club on your hand. It's just what it is. So that's not an excuse, but it's reality. Then he did come back in those eight snaps or so that he played. He looked decent. Right. It was, it's not like all of a sudden he was missing assignments and anything terrible going on there. Um, so he is your starting center going forward. So in theory, this line should be better than last year. Your weapons, right? We talked, I mentioned DJ Moore already. Didn't mention yet that they went out and got Robert Tanyan. So now your second tight end uh, so is much better. Someone who was a touchdown machine in Green Bay. Uh, he had an injury. Things slowed down a little bit for him there, but hopefully he can refine that. Uh, red zone like he did last year and you know you also get a little more help in, in the in the run game as much as i love dave montgomery he is was uh not efficient as a runner if you look at some of those deep metrics um he was the heart and soul of the locker room great guy super hard worker and could run the ball decently between the tackles but again not the most efficient not very explosive you know, he wasn't someone that would not break off a 40-yard touchdown run. A lot of times he would get caught from behind. He wasn't someone that was going to give you four or five yards per carry for the most part. But he was a warrior, right? He was someone that if he did have an injury, he'd be back faster than the average player would come back. And so that's something that, you know, you, you can't overlook. However, you know, you have a Khalil Herbert who was more efficient in less snaps. So we have to end up seeing what that's going to look like. You bring in a Deontay Foreman who... Arguably, if Phil Herbert wasn't, you know, the, one of the most efficient, Deontay Foreman was one of the most efficient rushers in the league when he got a chance when Christian McCaffrey got traded. And then you go and draft a Roshan Johnson, who I know I personally believe a couple other, you know, draft pundits who I hold in high regard believe. Uh, and Ryan Poles himself said, was surprised that he had made it as far as he did, or they dropped as far as he did, and that the Bears were able to get him where they did. So, you know, you, you add all that to the situation, and now all of a sudden, it's this offense is looking a lot better. Go to the defensive side. That defense was built to lose. Um, it wasn't a great defense in the first place. You trade away a Quill Mack. You, in the season, trade away a Robert Quinn. You trade away a Roquan Smith. You're, you don't have a very good team. And then there were injuries on top of that, too. 
right? You know, Jalen Johnson missed time. Eddie Jackson missed some time near the end there. Uh, your your second cornerback was someone that you're not exactly super high on in the first place. Um, and then when you have an injury to a Jalen Johnson, right, you're using guys that you're really hoping are just special teamers in your secondary. Uh, as much as I, I like I like Jack Sanborn, I'm not going to say love, but as much as I like Jack Sanborn, you can ultimately see what the Bears thought of him because they went out and, right, they replaced the entire linebacking core. They get a TJ Edwards. They get a Tremaine Edmonds, right, much more solid there, much more athletic in that position. Uh, they go out, right, and they, they add some – Initially, they added some line depth. Andrew Billings is someone that I'm very excited to see what that's going to look like, especially against this Green Bay run, rushing attack, which we'll get to once Kyrie gets in here. Um, the, you go ahead and you add it to Marcus Walker, who is every time you watch Tennessee Titans film, he's someone that pops off. And that's kind of forgotten, unfortunately, because he did miss time this summer. He really he didn't play in preseason games. So, you know, fans didn't really get a chance to see what he can do. But if you go back and watch Tennessee film and Tennessee is a really good team to watch if you're watching like another team because they're just so solid. They're always consistent where their assignments are. They're not blow, They're not messing up. So you can really assess how the offense is doing when you watch Tennessee's defense. And Demarcus Walker was a guy when you watch that constantly messing things up, constantly wrecking plays and constantly, you know, being disruptive would be the best way to put it. So Demarcus Walker, Awesome addition. You go ahead and you draft, right? Uh, a Tyreek Stevenson, who by all, so what we've seen so far, it seems like he belongs. First action is going to be this week. We'll see how that goes against a receiving core that we'll talk about in a little bit, what, what that really means <laughs> against this Green Bay receiving core. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one, it's a big shift. A lot of new faces on, on this defense as well. Is it still a top defense with a lot of stars? No. But when you go back to Ibrafus's defenses in Indianapolis, it's kind of the same thing to an extent. You know, you had your DeForest Buckners of the world, of course. You had your Kenny Moores. You had your Shaquille Leonard's. But, you know, once you got past those guys, you didn't have a lot of superstar talent. You had a bunch of guys who played very hard, very well, and did their jobs. And that's kind of what you're hoping for this year. At least that's what I'm hoping for this year is that when you look at this defense as a whole, that, you know, you're, you're being disruptive, you're turning the ball over, you're not allowing big plays and you're forcing teams to have to march down the field. Now that's not to say that there's not some things that can really be approved. One of them is that uh, rushing defense, something again that I know I'll talk about a little bit later in the show, but that rushing defense was atrocious last year. And you just, you, you can't have that happen in terms of how bad that was. So you're really hoping that the linebackers that you got, you're really hoping that the the, the defensive line that you added, in a, you know, in a Billings, who much more solid, solid there in the middle, um, that you're hoping that, and I even mentioned yet, sorry, Yannick Ngakwe, um, not exactly someone that's going to help in terms of rushing defense. He's saying that he's going to change that this year. Very interested and very excited and hoping that that's the case. Uh, but at least in terms of pass rush, it's going to significantly help. You're also hoping that with Yannick Ngakwe, that your leading, your sack leader, I believe last year was Jaquan Brisker. And number two, I think was Roquan Smith. Sorry. So two guys, one's a safety to a linebacker that was traded during the season uh, should not be your leaders in terms of your sacks. And now that brings me to bring in Kyrie Thompson, friend of the podcast. Hey, bud, how you doing? Man, the joys of fatherhood. What can I say? Um, 
the, the incredible knack for timing that potty time happens literally one minute before the show. I mean, you can't beat it. Lucky, or I don't know, lucky, unlucky, depends how you look at it. Really now, I just got pets, so I don't have to worry about that too much. I just throw them in a crate and say, like, chill for the, the time period. So I don't yeah. fully have that that responsibility. So I feel for you when it comes to that. Yeah, well, I mean, my my pets, well, one of them in particular is a blind, fat, orange cat. Uh, also has some some uh, bathroom issues that we have to clean up. So you know what? We were not even fully exempt from all of that. So, I mean, it is what it is. But you know what? We're here now. I, I've supplied myself one of these. We're going to crack it open on the show. I'm going to mellow out. And we're going to talk some ball. Well-deserved. So we're just wrapping up kind of this chart review section, right? Uh, note from, since we don't have a game to talk about, I was just kind of doing an overall talk of the offseason. If you had a sentence, I'll give it to you, two sentences that you could wrap up in terms of what this offseason means for this upcoming game, uh, what would you say? It's ramping up. It's ramping up towards something that could eventually be good. That's that's how I would sum it up right there. Not too shabby. Uh, we'll move on to our next piece, Concussed Corner. This is where we're going to talk about something from, again, the offseason, that a decision that you know, may, may have been so odd that, you know, that the decision maker must have been concussed. Was there something from this offseason that just confused you so much in terms of what it means going forward for this team? I think the one that we have kicked around very often is maybe not investing as much perhaps as people would, would have wanted especially on the interior of the offensive line. I feel like you can't you can't argue with Darnell Wright at number 10 overall. That was I mean, I I mocked the guy there in in, in you know, one of our mock drafts back in the day. I mean, look. I mean, that that was that was exactly the kind of investment you want to have in your offensive line. It's better than investing you know, 50 million dollars guaranteed or whatever it was in Mike McGlinchey. That is that's a much better move than doing that. Um, but you have to understand there are growing pains. I think the Nate Davis signing on its face made sense, though I think we're starting to wonder what in the world is is going on with that. I I think that all in all, I feel pretty good about what has has transpired offensively. I mean, I don't I I, I don't mind that the Bears didn't draft an interior offensive lineman, like a center in the second round. I don't mind that they didn't do that. I don't understand why everybody wanted them to do that in the first place. This team is not a starting center away from doing anything meaningful, right? This isn't like the Kansas city chiefs where they're a playoff team, you know, super bowl contender. And then you draft Creed Humphrey high because that's just kind of plug and play that that's like what you need at the time. You need so many other things. So to, to me, that wasn't a huge issue to me, I do feel like I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more push to add veteran help on the interior, like like starting caliber veteran help. If that was really your plan, that you wanted to start Cody Whitehair at center, and then you knew that you, you knew that Tevin Jenkins' health is what it is, and he's had so much trouble staying healthy then I, I don't know. To, to me, I feel like I would have preferred to see something a little bit more in terms of get a starting caliber player right away that maybe pushes Tevin Jenkins. I mean, this is 
I mean, he's now been here for a couple of years. There was there were rumors that they wanted to trade him last year. I think that the availability issues are kind of starting to add up there. I, I almost feel like I would have wanted to see something like that. And I definitely, definitely would have wanted to see more investment on the other side of the ball, on the defensive line, because that is by far the worst thing about this team. Their defensive line is just full of, it's it's either rookies, right? You got to see what Javon Dexter is going to do and what Zach Pickens is going to do. I think they had their moments during preseason, but I think that it, it's not like they, they set the world on fire. Let's put it that way. And then you've got Andrew Billings and, you know, Rasheem Green, who basically hasn't played. Demarcus Walker, who basically hasn't played. You just got so many what ifs there. And it feels like that is going, if, if they can't stop the run and they can't generate a pass rush, all of the work that they did to revamp their back seven, I, I, I do think that they're still going to be fine and maybe it won't be as horrible as we, as we might fear, but that it's still not going to be good. It's funny you say that because my exact one that I have written down here was not spending a little more, whether that's money or capital, on the offensive line. D- defensive line, when I look at it, I'm like, okay, so I get it because maybe you could have tried to bid out over like a, a Jonathan like a Hargrave, but I mean, he got he got paid and he's older, uh, doesn't yeah. fit your timeline, so that makes sense. And once you start to go away from those guys, you know, who are you paying on the defensive line that you're really excited about? You go to the, you know. Draft like Draymond room. Jones or something. Yeah, Draymond Jones got, I think, paid a lot, like a little more than I would have really wanted to, and especially in terms of the production he actually has, because uh, you want someone who's going to like, who's going to produce for you. Um, and then draft wise too, right? I mean, like once you get out of that first round, trying to find guys that are really contributors, especially day one stuff. So defensive line, I understood a little bit. Offensive lines where I have a bit of a problem because you look at some of the other guys that that did get paid, right? Or, what, what, what those deals were in free agency. Then Isaac Silmulo, three years, 24 mil. Connor McGovern, the guard, three years, 22 mil. Will Hernandez, the guard, two years, nine mil. Connor McGovern, the center, one year, just under uh, under two mil. And then, you know, Dan Feeney, who's now on, on the team, uh, he got, I think it was three mil, something of that nature. So, like, all of that was very affordable. I think you, like you alluded to, you could have gotten a veteran, said, hey, Tevin, earn your spot. Hey, veteran whoever this is push you can start if you prove that you know you're better than who we have here go ahead and, and do it and then once all the dust settles worst case scenario you have a really solid veteran backup which just doesn't hurt anyone i mean that's what kills most teams is the offensive line dev like and I, let's, let's think about it this way right so i'm over here in boston and they snapped up riley reef of, of a free agency and i think the plan was to have him be potentially the starting right tackle and they paid him money like he like immediately that he was going to be on the team doesn't really make sense to cut him a lot of dead money etc etc but i think with with him in particular what they what they've done a little bit he he's hurt now so he's not playing but they kicked him inside to guard that might actually be the best thing for him at this particular point in his career even though he hasn't played guard before so I think that there's a little bit of, of learning curve perhaps with that. You're a 34-year-old offensive lineman, and you it was like, yeah, we'll stick you in a completely new position. But he actually did pretty solidly at it in the limited amount of time that they played in the preseason. And so even, even something like that, where you paid a guy to potentially be a starting tackle, 
and somebody else maybe beats them out or you go in a different direction. But then by, by trying him out at another position, you've then made him more useful as a backup so that he's not just a backup swing tackle. He can play anywhere potentially. And, and, and I, and I think Dan Feeney is going to make, maybe he writes that issue. I mean, it's not that I think he's particularly good, but perhaps he could at least be somebody that in a pinch, you can play him. I think one thing that, and, and I think that this is not necessarily a concussed corner sort of thing. Some of it is bad luck, but I think that some of it is Jatiri Carter not being able to play left guard is really killing me right now because I feel like he would be perfect. And I don't know if you can hear in the background, but we got we got Maya Thompson making her appearance. I heard she's uh, Justin Fields' number one fan. She is. Uh, I I made sure of that. <laughs> well, that's parenting done right. Yeah, I mean, look if, if what's up? You need a hug. Oh, All right, a hug. let's let's get you a hug right here on the <laughs> podcast. So so I can so I can look good for the fans. There you go. Love it. Father of the year material right there. Yeah, but definitely Jatiri Carter's. That's killing me right now because I feel like he should be a versatile swing interior offensive line. And piece. you hear so many good things out of camp and stuff, but then you, and he you, looks you good. See that, but they, then they don't. It makes it's really weird. I don't know what they're doing with it. It's well, it, it's. Here's why I think it is. I think it's because for better or worse, Nate Davis isn't for whatever reason, he's not practicing. And then you're like, well, you know, Tyree Carter, he's the, the primary backup. Let's just let's just go ahead and go with that. That's where he started out last year. It's perfect. We'll go ahead and do that. You heard about him taking snaps at center. So it's not like he's never played any other position. But right. I literally think it was just because Nate Davis is not he wasn't practicing. And that was just like, OK, well, um, Jatiri, get on out there, get some reps. That said, I kind of wonder why wouldn't you then, okay, once the starters are out, go ahead and bump him over to the left side, see how he does, and just get him a couple of reps. And here's the thing. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe that happened at some point. And, 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 and I mean, per, perhaps there's still some experience there, but I, I just feel like this would be a perfect time to get him in the game Given what we've seen, what we've heard, that said, that said, I'm okay with going with a more veteran option here. I think that's why Lucas Patrick is potentially going to start at center. First of all, before Dan Feeney, who, yeah, he's a veteran, but Patrick knows the system. He knows right. what you what, what you want to do. And Cody Whitehair has been a left guard his entire career, basically. Early that that maybe his more natural position. I don't know. People seem to think it's center versus left yeah. guard, what have you. But you go with a more veteran option to begin with, and yeah. then you play around with getting younger guys yeah. in if they're. Yeah, I totally agree with all that. Um, so actually, now we're going to take our first break. Uh, we're going to, and actually something I'm very excited about, we have a new sponsor for the show. I am beyond excited to announce a new sponsor for the pod, Achilles Ankle Repair. The first thing to hit the ground when you play most sports is your foot. So why isn't your foot and ankle strength a priority for you? Achilles was created by founder Trey Villarreal and co-founder Eric Slosberg to give every athlete the advantage to perform with confidence and allow them to play at 100% even after suffering serious injuries. It is trusted by collegiate and professional teams all over the nation. 
the Achilles has been shown to increase muscle development by as much as 320% in the lower leg muscles. I use this myself for my personal ankle strength and with all of my lower extremity patients. Often transitioning from table exercises to functional movements in standing can be hard due to ankle weakness. Traditional bands are too weak and many standing balance exercises are too hard. Achilles bridges the gap by bulletproofing the ankles and knees. Achilles can be used for rehabilitation, injury prevention, and overall strengthening, so it is great for the clinic, the gym, or the home. Want to see it in action? Head to their Instagram, Achilles underscore nation, or my own personal page, Dr. West Sport PT. Then go to ankleRepair.com to order yours and use code nation for free shipping until October 1st. Like I said, super, super excited about this. It's uh, something that aligns with obviously me as a physical therapist. It aligns with a lot of, I know a lot of people, our listeners are athletes or at least pretend to be. I know I still pretend to be when I play my pickup basketball. And I know for me, my ankles were garbage and that's why I got Achilles. And I'm telling you, it is a game changer for me. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm over here just thinking about Achilles, like the the mythological character. Um, yeah, it's no it's no good having trash ankles when everything else is great. Oh, absolutely. You don't want that holding you back. But so now we're going to move on to our training room roundup. Perfect transition, right? You know what? Why don't we just start with the elephant in the room, Nate Davis, out for personal reasons, didn't participate on Thursday. How are you feeling about Nate? I'm frustrated. Not going to lie. I'm I'm definitely not feeling Nate Davis right now. I you you mentioned in the past that Nate Davis is actually dealing with an injury. He's yep. actually hurt. So you know what? Okay. All right. And and we've seen that they have been very cautious with their players coming out of training camp. I mean, they don't want to <laughs> Well, it's funny because I think perhaps there was a period of time where they realized that they were overdoing it and guys were getting hurt. And they're like, you know what? How about we chill and just coast through the rest of the season? Let's go ahead and, and do it that way. So at least maybe you learned some kind of lesson from that. I think that I'm not – it seems like he's trying to find any little reason to not practice for whatever reason. Um, or maybe there, maybe there's real maybe there's stuff going on that we just don't know about. Um, so, you know, I, I shouldn't speculate. I should not say that, you know, he's faking it or anything like that. I, I don't I don't want to go there because I, I personally hate when people make assumptions about things they don't know about when it comes to players. That said, I'm frustrated because the guy, 
you signed him to help solidify your interior offensive line for your third year quarterback that you have invested in and you want to see him get better. And as much as I really like what Jatiri Carter did in his, in his limited time in preseason, I guess not limited, he played a lot, but in, in a sample size of preseason, I would rather not have him starting at right guard instead of a veteran if you don't have to. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, and so I, I feel like I just, if he performs, if he performs well in the game, then okay, fine. I guess all is forgiven. You're kind of annoying, but you, you kept Justin from dying and you opened paths in the run game. You did your job. But if we're seeing that he's not able to finish games because he hasn't been practicing or he's got just nagging injury issues that keep him off the field. He got his bag and now he's going to go home. Not going to be cool with that, man. And and I think that it's it's just it just doesn't feel good that this is one of the key free agent signings that was made this offseason to help improve your offense. And you haven't really gotten a chance to see if he improves your offense yet. No, 100%. It's a slippery slope, I think. I mean, I agree if if he shows up in the Packers game and, you know, just runs over Kenny Clark and, you know, play after play, I might have a hard time being too upset about that. But like you said, if, you know, it's now fourth quarter and you like gassed out there because you're not up, your conditioning isn't where it needs to be, I'm going to be pretty pissed. If, you know, and if I'm in that locker room, I mean, we've all had that where we had a group project back in, I don't care, middle school, high school, college, wherever. And, or even something maybe at work where there's just that one person that kind of just shows up when it's time to, to do the, the project and they, they get it done technically, but where were they? Like all of the times that you were like getting all the stuff ready and, and there's a brotherhood in that locker room. And if you're just going to be standing on the sideline, I mean, there's one picture, I think it, I can't remember who posted it, but you can literally just see like Nate Davis, like, you know, 30 yards away from the rest of the offensive linemen who are doing the drills. And it's like, if I'm in the drills, like, I'm going to be kind of pissed at you, bro. Now, again, I don't like to speculate just like you said. I don't know what's going on there. I, The source that I had that told me about the injury, I totally believe in that. But there's a difference between hurt and injured. Yep. There's a difference between, you know, some people can have the exact same ankle sprain. One person plays an entire basketball game on it, and the other person is laid up and can't do anything. Like, everyone's different on that, so I can't. And also, who knows if there's something legitimately personal going on there. But if there is... If, if there's something mentally going on, if there's something emotionally going on, if there's whatever, I would, if it were, if I were on the team as a player, as a coach, as a healthcare professional, I'd say, why don't we reel you back then? And then why don't we get the help you need? I don't care whether it's physically, whether it's mentally, whether it's emotionally, I don't really care. But let's not like have you just stand on the sidelines and then have you show up and cash a check on game day. That's that, that would bother me. Yeah. And I find the imagery strange. The fact that he's at practice, but not practicing for personal reasons. And he's like talking to Eberflus. And there's there's this part of me that thinks that if they were really, really upset with him, if this were really a big problem, that they would tell him, don't come to practice. Just stay in the training room. Don't need to see you out here. Do your thing. And so... I don't know that I would say, oh, yeah, well, you know, they're clearly sanctioning this or, or like everything is cool. But there, there is that part of me that, you know, we, you see that out here, I think in, in Foxborough sometimes where it's like if, if there's some kind of personal issue or injury related issue, you don't see the players out there. 
You see, you see them getting their rehab. You see them just, you know, they're down on the lower field, getting some sprints in or conditioning in or whatever, but they're not on the field kind of taking up space or kind of lounging around or whatever it is that Nate Davis is doing out there on the practice field. So I, I find it strange. I, I feel like my hope is that again, the fact that he is out there means that they know what's going on. They understand the deal that it is not a locker room cancer situation right now. All I've got to say to, in conclusion though, is that Nate Davis better ball because if he doesn't ball, this is going to be, this is going to be a problem. And I don't know if he's going to, finish the season as the starting right guard for the Chicago Bears. A couple other players who are on this injury report. Uh, Mercedes Lewis, he's 39 years old and doesn't need to practice. That just is what it is, you know. Um, and I, and I, so I said this from the beginning. And I mean, he is, his injury is rest. I mean, that's a vet rest day. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Um, pretty much and everyone, people, other people on this list. And I said this on Twitter. I said this to everyone. And you know, I've, I've been saying this, Kyrie, for the last month. Guys like Eddie Jackson, guys like Demarcus Walker, guy who are on this, Jaquan Brisker kind of fit this. He was a little slightly different, but they were go- they're going to be fine. They're going to play on Sunday, right? It's just this management stuff that's going on. Where as you talked about earlier, they probably went. They learned last year that they went a little too big, too ham, and now they're just like, you know what? We we know what's important. Week one, week seven, week ten. Those are important. These other ones aren't. So they're all going to play. The only person that's not is Dylan Cole. And it's like, fine. Your fourth string linebacker is going to be out. Elevate someone from the practice squad. Probably Micah uh, Baskerville out of LSU. And yeah, because all that all that is, that's special teams. Yeah. And so, I mean, not to say that special, I'm not trying to diminish the value of special teams. But you probably feel decent enough about a player like Baskerville to bring him up as a practice squad elevation and say, you know what, you like this, this is, you know, one of your main roles anyway, if you were going to be on this team. So just do your job, fit in like you would normally fit in. And then we'll see what's going on with, with Cole, or maybe you pick somebody else up. That's, that's a special teams maven, but you, you've pointed this out a bunch of different times, right? When people look at the injury report or they see guys out, there are varying degrees of, of what does it actually mean? How concerned should we be? And you see, or like soft tissue muscle injuries, like a groin with brisker. And you think to yourself, I don't know. I don't necessarily feel that good about that, but obviously you see him full participation. That's great. Hamstrings with Dylan Cole. I mean, the fact that he hasn't practiced, I mean, we're seeing this over in green Bay with Christian Watson. I mean, you have no idea when he's going to feel up to performing. I, a just normal person, not an NFL player whatsoever. Pulled a hammy last year. I didn't feel comfortable running for a month. So these these things take time. You cannot and should not rush them. Um, But I think that especially if if Brisker looks like he's back to to his full self out there and and Demarcus Walker, who also had a cap, that's another tricky one. If they look like they're they're back to full strength, they're going to play in this game, full participation, then I think that speaks volumes about what the bears have seemingly learned about how to manage these injuries. Then again, as you've also mentioned a couple of times, why are we getting all of these people hurt with soft tissue injuries through our practice habits? Maybe we should think about that. Absolutely. And it's one of those things, take Jaquan Brisker, because I did want to touch on his a little bit. You can, 
I understand now that we're seeing it's growing. I understand why they were so reserved with it and why he, you know, wasn't participating and, and everything of that nature, because that's not something you mess with, you know, that whole adductor pelvic floor, that, that whole bundle that you consider growing. Um, it's just so important to, to establishing core stability. It's just so important to lower extremity strength. And as you talked about with soft tissue injury, you know, it's one of those trigger things. I mean, like, all of a sudden it could be the fifth play of this upcoming game and it could go again, to be completely honest. But so that's why when Ibufus talked about it, right, it was almost, it was very much a, well, we got to see, we're going to see how he reacts. We're going to see how we do this on Wednesday when we put the, when we put the pads on. And that's why he had to build it up the way that he did. So I appreciate the way they handled it. I still wish that there's a little more transparency because I don't know what advantage you're giving up to say, Hey, you know, Jaquan's dealing with a little bit of a groin thing. Like, Green Bay is really not going to do anything with information, but that's just me. Uh, but you mentioned Christian Watson. Now we're going to flip to the other side of the, of the ball. The two of the really big ones are Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson, right? Uh, Dobbs had a hamstring issue back in preseason game. Uh, he is a limited participant, a little limpy from what I, the videos I saw. And Christian Watson did, has not participated. Uh, that's not a great sign on a Thursday. We'll see what Friday holds, but that is – not looking good for this receiving core. No. And I think to, I, I, I would say this to cut right to the chase. I feel like if Christian Watson is not playing, then I'm tempted to just go ahead and pencil this in as a win potentially. And here's why a win for the bears. I mean, and, and here's why I feel like Jordan love. We're going to, I'm sure we're going to talk about him a little bit later. It's not that he's he's he started a game before. He's been behind Aaron Rodgers. He's got all this practice time, preseason time built up over the past couple of years. But this is his the first start of his tenure as the guy in Green Bay. And to have to start off without your most explosive receiver right off the bat. And then you've got, I mean, this is already a very youthful team. It from a skill from a wide receiver and then like pass catcher standpoint, right? Because you've got Dobbs, they're both second year receivers, and he could Dobbs could be really good, but again, limited participation. You might not even be a hundred percent. There's a possibility he might not play in this game. And then you've got Luke Musgrave, who again, really athletic, could be awesome, but he's a he's a rookie tight end. We have not seen him in NFL action yet. That just feels like that is that is a lot to ask of Jordan Love to go on the road in his second ever NFL start and and succeed and put up 30 something points on the Bears. I mean, you never know, could happen, but I feel like that's a that's a tall ask especially against a pretty good secondary. Now, what the defensive front does against the Packers to, you know, create pressure, what they do with the linebackers, I'm curious to see if if they get after Love and they try to be aggressive with him and they send TJ Edwards or Tremaine Edmonds or or what have you. But I I feel like this is this has the potential of we're going to play a lot of man coverage because if Romeo Dobbs is the only guy that we trust to get open, then, um, yeah, we're just sending everybody at you. I mean, that's kind of how I'm looking at it if Christian Watson's not playing. Yeah, we're definitely going to dive into that more for sure. But another player that you're talking about, that support of Jordan Love, David Bakhtiari, he's going to be a guy that, from what you're hearing, he's probably just not going to ever practice. So it doesn't really matter what it shows on the on the injury report there. Um, the question ends up becoming how effective is he going to be? I mean, he was not super effective when he did get a chance to play last year. 
uh, at least from, from, what, from what I saw. And similar to what we just talked about with Jaquan, I mean, that knee could give out on him in the first quarter, go yep. out in the third. Now, all of a sudden, that offensive line for the Packers has to rotate and shift. So that's that's something to keep an eye on. Rashawn Gary, limited participant, he's he's playing, you know, um, but he's not going to be 100%, but 70% Rashawn Gary is still a scary man. <laughs> so you expect him to play and expect him to really push the push the Bears offensive line. But besides that, you know, Dontavian Wicks, he's part of that uh, very young. He was an undrafted free agent. He's full participant receiving core that the Packers are hoping to put out there. Anthony Johnson, safety, not something you're really worried about. The, the names to keep on an eye on there, like we said, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and we'll definitely dive into that a bit more. Uh, moving on to our knee-jerk reaction. So this is where we are going to... One hot take going into next week. Kyrie, what is your hot take going into Packers week? My hot take is that despite the fact that the Bears ran all over the Packers in two games last year, that they are gonna they're gonna come out trying to throw the football to show everybody what's up with this pat with this offense, and that Justin Fields and DJ Moore and these guys are about it. And so I think we are gonna see 20 pass attempts. 25 pass attempts or something like that right off the bat, maybe even 30. And we're going to get a 250 yard passing game from Justin Fields with a couple of touchdowns. And then we're going to, I think whether, whether the bears win or lose, people are going to look at it and say, Oh, they really want to throw the ball this year. And that this isn't necessarily the same Justin Fields you were looking at last year. First play of the game, runner pass for the bears on offense. Oh pass <laughs> all right all right i like it uh so mine is my ninja reaction is surprise to no one uh i think this game is going to definitely set the vibe for the rest of the season now keep in mind like look at last year the bears won a gross game in a monsoon against the 49ers and then you know went on to lose a ton of games so week one is kind of erroneous to an extent but i think when it's week one packers aaron Rodgers isn't here anymore especially when you know you have you know the man like are the receivers going to be there for the packers and you know there's there's all these things going on that are leading you to feel like the bears really should win this game and if you don't now all of a sudden the vibes i think whether it's in the fans whether it's in the locker room that's gonna be very different however if you go in there you take care of business and you're one and oh in your division especially if the lions lose tonight to the chiefs that it sets the tone Yes, I agree, because on paper, this is looking like a game the Bears should win. And I've been feeling like it was a game the Bears should win, even, I think, before the Christian Watson news happened. And now I'm just like, uh, you're kind of running out of excuses. You need to win this game. And again, I think that there are people that are looking at the quarterback situation and thinking, well, I like Jordan Love more than Justin Fields because he he learned from Aaron Rodgers and he sits back there and he passes and all that. And I think to myself, yeah, I'm not on that. I feel like if they're if you're picking a quarterback that is is the one you want to bet on in this game, it's easily Justin Fields. And I feel like if if that's the case, if all things are more or less equal, both teams have flaws, neither one of them is particularly world beating, then the Bears should win this game. And I think that you're going to see I, – I, I think that we're going to see 
some of the things that Fields has been working on, we've seen little glimpses of them. The kind of running up in the pocket and not necessarily just bailing out of the sides. Obviously, we, we saw him, uh, unfortunately, kind of revert a little bit in that last preseason game. You don't necessarily want to see that. But we've seen glimpses of improving pocket presence and, and, and improving pocket movement. I think that there's there's an aspect of Fields' game where I don't know that he is ever necessarily going to look like Joe Burrow in the pocket. I don't know that that's necessarily in his game. His footwork is not there yet when you watch him. But as long as he's moving in the right direction, that's an improvement. And I think the other thing, but I think I've mentioned this before in passing, I think people look at Justin Fields kind of running up in the pocket as a, uh, why doesn't he just shuffle, shuffle, and then throw the ball and just, just slide your feet? But I think what's nice about Justin Fields even, even when he's still not quite got the veteran pocket movement down, is that Justin Fields running up in the pocket is going to scare the hell out of defenses. And they think, oh, crap, this dude is about to run. And then if you have some of the plays like he had against, what was it, like Miami, where he runs up in the pocket, stops on a dime, dumps it off to Cole Komet along the sideline, and you're like, that's the kind of stuff that you can do. As long as you're keeping your eyes down the field, and and having the threat of the run possible. I feel like we're going to see little bits of him feeling some comfort, some manipulation of the second level, that fear that people have of him running the football and then taking advantage of it and creating bigger plays down the field. I'm I'm excited to see what he does. Oh, I just can't wait for Sunday to get here. Honestly, it's it's just such a different vibe than other other week ones. Uh, next section, to be uh, perfectly honest. And if you're new to the show, clearly just too many puns for anyone to handle. Uh, just deal And with unfortunately, it. I understand all of them because, you know, I also – I took gross anatomy back in the day. I took a lot of anatomy courses. So, I, I mean, I respect it, but – Oh, cheesy as hell, though. So, got to do it. It's Packers Week. All the cheese. Uh, my brutally honest – thought process here is the Bears offense better just look better than Green Bay offense or I'm going to be concerned. I know Matt LaFleur is currently right thought of more than uh, like a Luke Getze because of what he's been able to do so far. How much of that's Aaron Rodgers? How much of it's LaFleur? We'll see this year. But at the same time, when you take right, the Packers weapons are just so young. You have what we talked about. Watson and Dobbs are only in their second years. So let's say they're both healthy. We're saying, you know, this is even without all the hamstring stuff. Second-year wide receivers. Behind them, you have three rookies, two of them undrafted, and Malik Heath and Dontavian Wicks. Heath is actually kind of an interesting dude. Um, Jaden Reed, who was drafted, one of the only guys who might be drafted who might be playing <laughs> on offense uh, for the for the Packers, is crazy. Then same thing at tight end. Luke Musgrave and Tucker Kraft. Kraft's a little bit more of a blocker. Musgrave's got all the talent in the world and is super fast, but it's a tight end who's a rookie, and we've seen and talked about how it's hard for rookies to be established early. Yeah, simply right because I mean they have to be ACB an off to lineman and they have to be a wide receiver and know both responsibilities. Uh, are are they able to? Who's going to be their tight end who stays in the block? Are you really going to trust that? You know that's going to be a big thing. And then you compare that to the Bears. DJ Moore, even though he's new to this offense, he's in his fifth year. He's been around the block. Darnell Mooney's in his third year. Chase Claypool, Cole Komet in their third year. Robert Tanyan's in his sixth. Mercedes Lewis is a hundred years old in his ninety ninth season. You know, just there's more around. Justin, that's established NFL. We know what the hell we're doing in terms of just being in a competent offense. 
And if you go out there and you look less competent than an undrafted wide receiver running your route, then I'm going to be super concerned. So I, I just, I think they better look better. I think to get more specific, I mean, obviously you want to see DJ Moore have a nice game though. I think that I could see the Packers looking at that and saying, yeah, DJ Moore might be that guy that we kind of circle now. We don't want him going off because we know what kind of player that he is. I feel like the guy that I feel like I, I need to see something from, and this might not be entirely fair because he's missed some time, is Chase Claypool. And I mean, because we, we've seen the chemistry that he's been developing with Justin Fields throughout training camp, but I need to see it in a game. And I understand why it didn't just jump off the screen last year when he was just traded midseason. He's got to come and learn the offense and, and all of that. But I feel like he, in a lot of ways, is the key to this offense really unlocking its potential. I mean, aside from the offensive line, not you know letting Justin Fields get sacked like 60 times or what have you. Um, or Justin Fields getting himself sacked 60 times. But I think that Claypool, you got to see it. I mean, this this is his fourth season. He's got all the size, all the speed, all the mismatch potential to be a really good player in this league. I got to start seeing it. I got to start seeing him look like he can dominate a game, that he can get open on anyone, that he can create yards after the catch, that if they decide to throw him the ball down the field, that he's not just going to, I don't know, whatever it is that he does where he's not pulling down these 50 50 balls the way he needs to i i need to see him show up and look like he is just a, like he's just an ass kicker that's right. what i need to see yeah i need him he needs to play to his size that's something that I'm, I'm gonna give danny a nod here um he has always been bugged by chase's inability to play big use your size use your speed sky over a guy uh and he just hasn't done that and you're absolutely right now when you have uh, dj moore coming in and pulling the number one assignment you have whoever however they decide it they have darn whoever who's going to cover darnell who's going to cover chase i mean you got to take advantage of that number two number three corner linebacker nickel dime i don't care who it is you got to take advantage of that uh what is your to be a perfectly honest thought i think that i need chase claypool to have like five catches for 60 yards in this game or i'm gonna start <laughs> i or or i'm gonna start wondering what he's all about and if he's even going to finish the season here. Okay. I, I would like to think that they're going to really wait and see what he can do. Um, and, and then, and then kind of choose between him and Darnell Mooney, maybe trying to sign them both. I'm sure that's probably not going to happen, but I think that it, that if Claypool looks lost or looks ineffective, then my, my gut reaction is that I'm going to feel out on him. That's just how I feel. That, that's not fair. That's not fair. And that's not reasonable. But you know what? You wanted, you wanted my, my honest take. So there it is. I'm going to be unreasonable. Chase Claypool, you need to show up. I, I, I think that there's fairness to that. The, the excuses of getting traded midseason, the excuses of the injury, the, this, that, and the other, that's out the door. Beat, beat the person you're across from, get open, and make the catch. And don't, fumble the, and don't fumble the ball after you've made the catch. Don't fumble the ball. Tuck that ball away. Uh, what is something that you think is quite humorous going into this game? Um, the, uh, the, the Cheesehead TV video. <laughs> the, 
that that uh, was shared in our in our Bears group that um, oh, apparently yeah, that. That, that apparently uh, Blake Bortles is better than Justin Fields. That was Just, uh, that right there. Uh, and, and again, you know what? It's it's Packers fans. It's you know trying trying to you know crap on Justin Fields. He's terrible. That's why we're gonna win on Sunday. That's why the Bears still are nothing. They're never gonna be anything. They can't draft a quarterback. Whatever. Like I understand some of that is just it's almost like trolling. It's like being over the top just to be over the top because ain't no way you're out here talking about Blake Bortles. It's funny because like I get why right. It's it's kind of this big brother little brother thing at this point. It, it shifted. The Packers own the the matchup right now it's it's very heavy in your court i understand that but there's just still this hubris right now with packers fans where it's like yeah aaron Rodgers, we were done with him we didn't want him anyway like we, jordan loves fine oh like you know oh we have two receivers that basically have one hamstring between them oh it's gonna be fine it's just there's this sense of like we've been here before we've done that that just packers fans and some media seem like they have right now and it's like this is legitimately a chance of a potentially changing of the guard. You're you're talking a real big talk for a big unknown and multiple big unknowns on on your team. And again, I think there is that that hubris, as you mentioned, that the last time they had a big unknown at quarterback, yeah, it took a year of trial and error, and then you won a Super Bowl the next season. And Aaron Rodgers was just that dude, and it is what it is, and he stayed that dude for the rest of the time. That he was with Green Bay. So I think there's this expectation that, uh, whatever, man, like even if it takes a year, Jordan Love's going to be fine. He's going to be good. And then on top of that, there's like, even if he struggles in year one, we're still better than the Bears, right? Yeah. And and you know what? You go ahead and, and you feel that way. But when you're out here talking about a guy like like Blake Bortles being better than, than Justin Fields, like, okay, yeah, the, the guy – volume passed his way to and and handed the ball off to Leonard Fournette all the way to uh, an, an AFC title game. So you know what? Give it give him that. That is true. That did happen. But I think that Justin Fields as a, a prospect, as as a young player doing what he did last season, which again, I think you can look at the struggles as a passer. I think that's really what people are talking about, that that he's a terrible quarterback because he's not as good of a passer. And I, I come back to this. Is the only job of a quarterback to pass the ball? It's like, no, it's not. Okay, yes, we, we know quarterbacks as being passers and, and, and all that. I, I understand it's probably like the, the number one thing that you think of when it comes to a quarterback. Well, what is a quarterback's job? Lead your team to scoring points, lead the offense down the field, put points on the board. Who the hell cares how the points get on the board as long as you are consistently putting them up. Now, Justin Fields has to get better as a passer, I think, to, to again, put more points on the board. You can't just run your way to a Super Bowl as a quarterback. I mean, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, guys like that have been in the top five of rushing quarterbacks over the past three seasons. They have more of, of an arm arsenal to their game, but they also have more weapons. So there's always context to it. I think that Justin Fields is quite possibly something we like just a situation we've never seen before. And yes, it might be unprecedented as people talk about it. it's unprecedented for a quarterback to become good after struggling as much as he did in his first two years. But that was also an unprecedented situation and he is an unprecedented player. 
arguably. I mean, we've seen so many second-year quarterbacks in bad situations just utterly fold and look terrible. And there was like a five-game stretch there where he was Superman. That doesn't happen with your average second-year quarterback that is in a ter- you know number one pick overall worthy roster and you know in in a rough situation where you're not ready to invest yet i mean i i think that that told me a lot about him and what he can still do in this league so i'm not ready to give up on one justin schuyler fields just yet and you know what unless he is awful i'm talking truly awful in week one i'm not going to be overly concerned. I don't know that I'm going to even be swayed if he's good. I think he would need to be transcendently good for me to be like, oh yeah, this is it. This is the leap. But if he if he's good, say he throws for 250 to 300 yards and, and two touchdowns, but maybe there's a pick in there and you still see some missed reads or what have you. It's like, okay, no, that's good. That's good. Uh, but let's go ahead and, and see what's next. But I think there's an element of you knew with Patrick Mahomes that first start that he had <laughs> that first start he had in his first year, full-time years of starter you're like oh okay uh this guy is uh he different i mean if fields goes out and does something like that then i then i think like we're all going to be over the moon but other than that take it with a grain of salt take it for what it is one game out of a 17 game season and let's see what he does the next few yeah and to add to what you were saying too, my actually my well ain't this humorous thing was uh jonathan wood uh, at jonathan underscore wood one go check out his stuff it's awesome um did a great write-up on fields this summer one of the stats that i really attached to and he actually brought it up recently again and i was like i gotta bring this back up because it's perfect when targeting darnell mooney justin fields had a 67 percent completion percentage and threw for 9.4 yards per target against man coverage yeah i will absolutely take that the rest of the receiving core <laughs> 44% completion percentage and 5.0 yards per target. The Bears had one of the worst EPAs per play results when throwing to wide receivers and were about average when throwing to running backs and tight ends. So I think it's kind of funny that apparently wide receiver talent matters. And we pretend what? like it doesn't, right? Blow it away. It, it, it matter, you need to create separation. Who knew? And when you go back to Justin as a collegiate quarterback, you know, not to make excuses for him, but to kind of make excuses – you know, he was throwing to guys who were just constantly open. He had one of the best receiving quarters that were available. So, like, he, he did that he didn't have to throw with anticipation. It was just like, oh, I know you're going to be there, and I know you're probably going to be open. I'm just going to throw, and I'm comfortable. Same thing with his offensive line. They definitely let him sit back there for a good chunk of time. Now, all of a sudden, you get to the NFL. The windows are smaller, and you have a bad receiving core that doesn't get open. You have an offensive line. That's a sieve. You have Sam Mustafer that I have an image ingrained in my brain where he's blocking facing Justin Fields. Like uh, when he's rolling out, how the hell does that happen? I'm going to give him some damn credit. Now, does he have steps he needs to take hundred percent? Just like you said, he, you know, he had a throw in the preseason where he threw it down at Komet's ankles. There's no excuse for that. You need to get that ball up. Right. He had a throw that he had his number one receiver, DJ Moore on a bit of a fade route. And he threw it to inside. You got to put that outside a little bit more for DJ. So like, there's things. There's no. There's no excuses. Or I'm not trying to make excuses for the dude. But at the same time, let's let's evenly measure. You know where we're at. Take Jalen Hurts, who we're pretty happy and say took a leap. Put him on that team last year, and I'm telling you, they're not going to do that much better. It's just that team was trash. It was built to be trash. Yes, they wanted to be bad. 
they wanted the number one pick. They just didn't want to tell you they wanted the number one pick. But then when they traded away Roquan Smith, they told you they wanted the number one overall pick. Um, that's that's what it was. And I think that the interesting thing about those plays that you referenced is that I, I think in some cases the decision could have been better. But I think you understood what he was doing, what he was seeing. And then there were physical errors that happened. It was the right play. It was the right choice. It, execution wasn't there. Physical errors are going to happen. That's what. That's why you have a preseason. That's why you have practice. And physical errors are going to happen with Justin Fields in a game. They happen with every quarterback. I mean, I've seen Aaron Rodgers. I, I remember watching the Patriots game last year, the Patriots-Packers. I saw Aaron Rodgers just airmail a, like a wide receiver screen, like a, like a bubble screen. And I'm like, Dog, what are you doing? Like, it's, it's like he got kidnapped by the Monstars. Somebody got him. But but that's one throw, right? If you're seeing it all the time and you're just like Justin Fields just straight up can't throw the ball to a receiver accurately, then okay, maybe you, you've got an issue. But I think that, you know, DJ Moore is going to help you solve some of those problems because even if the ball isn't exactly perfectly right where it's supposed to be, DJ Moore is going to catch it. Right. Right. He, he's he's if, if you put it close enough, you give enough margin for air. That guy's going to come down with the football and that instills confidence. And I feel like one thing that we've continually seen with Justin Fields is that once he's completed a couple of passes and he starts feeling himself, that's when you start seeing the trick shots come out. And that's when you start seeing the the command of the game starting to come through. And so if we get to the the rehabilitate section of this and I have something exactly lined up with that. All right. Well then, you know what? I'm I'll say no more. I will say no more. All right. We got one more break here. Uh, We're in the home stretch. (laughs) My mighty meals owner and founder, Chris Davia puts the personal touch to healthy eating that most meal prep services are missing. I've been using his services for almost three years now and haven't looked back. My mighty meals are cooked fresh and delivered directly to your home or work weekly in the Chicagoland area. They taste great the day you get them, as well as the final day of your week as you anticipate your next delivery. Each meal is macro-friendly and makes it incredibly easy to track. You can choose from standard meals that are under 500 calories or heftier ones that are between 5 and 750. The meals rotate each week, so I personally never get bored. A few examples include barbecue, meatloaf, and sweet potato, Italian turkey and couscous, Denver tater tot scramble. Need something specific or have dietary restrictions? Customize your order. One of my favorite parts is that there isn't a subscription, so you don't get stuck with meals you don't need. Pick one meal, pick 10 meals, skip a week, skip a month. It doesn't really matter. Chris is awesome. He'll get you meals when you want them. You can find him on Instagram at MyMightyMeals and use the code GRIDIRON25 for 25% off your first order at MyMightyMeals.com. Now we I'm hungry moving. now. I'm starving, right? So what we're going to talk about a little bit now is what you need to know coming up, you know, things within this game that are relevant. Like, for example, Packers have eight first round picks on defense. That's pretty gnarly, but they weren't that good last year because I think their defensive coordinator sucks. And to jump onto that, let's let's remind ourselves the Bears ran for 180 yards against the Packers in week two last year. And then later on in week 13, ran for 155 yards. So I understand we got Kenny Clark is in there. Rashad Gary is there. But the 
Bears are able to, they were able to run the ball in the Packers. And so I think that is going to factor into this game. I'm sure that if they get a lead, they're going to want to run the ball a little bit and control some clock. I do think that there's, st- again, as I said, I do think they're still going to want to, to throw the football and establish Justin Fields and let everybody know that he is here. But I would also very much expect that even if the first play is a pass, the next play is going to be a run because they are going to want to figure out if this Packers defense is as soft against the run as they were against the Bears last year. Let me ask you something. Um, so we talked a little bit about their wide receiver potential issues going forward for the Packers. If the, let's say one or two of the Packers receivers can't go, is that a good thing for the Bears? And ultimately, if there's a re, and I ask that because do you want to beat the Packers in a low state or do you want them to beat the Packers in a, not necessarily, but when they're full strength in terms of how they're set up to see how, right, how the Bears truly stack up? Do you, to see how they've truly progressed, you know, have they arrived as true, you know, I'm going to push for this, for the NFC North? Might sound like a cop out. I don't care. Beat them. I don't give a damn. I don't care if they're limping around with, with like half a leg, you know, beat them. Doesn't matter. It's the Packers. You want to win. It is what it is. And, and you know what? Also, because I'm going to be over with, uh, with, with a friend of mine who's a Packers fan. Uh, He's got, he's got. Oh. Oh, it looks like Kyrie you might be muted or that your uh, your sound just not picking up. Just got that in the chat. Uh, my sound cut out because my microphone is over here tripping. Oh, uh, there it is. When when Maya Thompson was uh, squirming all over my lap. <laughs> my my main point is just win, baby. And just then win, baby, win. the Green Bay Packers say, oh, well, you beat us at half strength last time. Doesn't matter. We got the one. We're one and oh. We're one and oh in the division. And we'll come see you later. You go ahead and you get healthy. But if the pay, if, if, if the if the Bears are playing up to – up to standard and they, and they get that first win and it, and it builds into something. It doesn't matter what the Packers say when you go to Lambeau field, we'll come see you. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. I'm all, I'm all good with that. Now we're going to move on to our next section. Love it, hate it, rehabilitate it. You know, this is where oh, we're going to take something that we love about this matchup, something that we hate about this matchup and something that we want to fix. So I'll go first for my love. My love is this Bears secondary versus the Packers pass catchers. And it's funny because I had this as my love back on Monday. <laughs> like, so the, like when I was making my notes for the show and it stays the same and it looks even better now, obviously with the news currently, but even if they were full strength, the exact things I said before, they, they're, they're young, right? They, in terms of the Packers receivers, 
They're not very experienced. Jordan Love has played one game. He started against the Chiefs, not last year, but the year before. Packers fans are super excited about the random slant route that Christian Watson ran and was able to take up field. Christian Watson did all that. Jordan Love just got him the ball. But, you know, so I'm, which is good. That's the quarterback's job. But let's not pretend like he did some amazing throw. So for me, ultimately, I love, especially the talent the Bears have in the secondary. That's like, that's really their strength on that defense. Love the matchup. And I think that I'm, I feel like even if, and so, so on my side of things, even if the Bears don't have the, the best pass rush, I think when you're, I, I took a look at this a little while ago, what, Matt Eberflus's defenses did when he was with the Indianapolis Colts. And there were actually, it's, this was a bit of a trend that, and I looked at this on pro football focus. So, I mean, take it for what it's worth, whatever you want to say, but the defensive line, like the pass rush grades were always like kind of meh, you know, they might be fine, but they weren't necessarily great, but the coverage grades were usually better than the pass rush. So to me, that, that kind of suggests that even if the pass rush wasn't great, the coverage was still good and the back seven still did what it was supposed to do, even when the front four wasn't necessarily getting it done. And so I think this will be an interesting barometer of, okay, even if you're not getting to Jordan love with, with four, maybe you end up bringing five, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what, how much pressure they want to bring, but if they feel confident enough to go toe to toe with Packers receivers or, or other teams receivers, because you do have some really nice pieces in that secondary. Eddie Jackson's going to be back. Brisker's going to be back. Jalen Johnson is very good when healthy. Kyler Gordon looks like he's taken a bit of a step. He's playing really physically. He's playing fast. I love what he's done in the little bit of time that we've seen him. And then Ty Tyreek Stevenson. I mean, he's going to get beat every once in a while, but the swagger is there. And so has the playmaking has been there as well. So I, I, I'm very curious about that. That is uh, something that I would be like really interested in. Uh, absolutely. Because man, this, this matchup is just so interesting. Actually, honestly, um, Ty, like you said, Tyreek, the thing I've seen from him was the chippiness. I think that's something that's really going to elevate what he can do. Cause even if he does get burned, he's the kind of guy where it seems like he's going to take that, put it into the next play and steal your heart out kind of a thing, which I'm very excited about. Uh, what was your love? So, so, okay. You're going to have to remind me what the, what the love is here. The love, hate and rehabilitate. The, the matchup that you love. My, so yeah, somebody stole my focus over here. Um, <laughs> the matchup that you, mine was the Bears secondary versus the, pa the Packers pass catchers. The, the matchup that I love. <laughs> I, I think I, I love, I love uh, Darnell Mooney against CB2 or CB3 in this game. And I mean, I would say, I would say like Darnell Mooney slash chase Claypool, because I think obviously Jair Alexander is probably going to be following DJ Moore around a good bit. I do like, I, I mean, I think that matchup will be fun to watch, but in terms of, Oh yeah, somebody got a mismatch somewhere. I'm looking at wherever I think specifically I'm looking at wherever Darnell Mooney lines up, whether it's in the slot, whether it's on the outside and thinking, Okay, if you've got one of those pick-a-side plays, and I'm sure they've probably gone over this film from the last preseason game, and, and they're, they're going to think about this. When you have one of those pick-a-side plays and you've got DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney in the slot, and they're both running slot fades, and you think, okay, Jair's over with DJ Moore. Well, who's on the other side guarding Darnell Mooney? 
And it's like, maybe you still take the shot for DJ more because that's your guy. You trust him. You go for it. But no lie, I'm kind of looking at it be like, Darnell down there somewhere. Bam. Yeet that. Very different, right, than last year when you had Darnell Mooney being covered by Jair Alexander. And then you had your, I believe, Rasul Douglas uh, right, covering Dante Pettis. I guess. Yeah, or or it's like when none of those guys were healthy, and then Jair Alexander's covering Equinemius St. Brown. Oh, that was a great matchup. Even better. Even damn better. I want you to keep rolling. What's a matchup you hate in, for the Bears? I don't like Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary and the Pat and the Packers defensive front against this offensive line right now. I'm not a fan. Um, that is the concern. I am not looking forward to seeing. Uh, there's a part of me that's not looking forward to seeing it, but there's also kind of this sick part of me that's like, you know what? Okay, you should see players like that in, in week one. There are going to be players like that on every NFL roster. Let's see if you can pass protect. I I am I'm very curious to see where they concentrate their efforts to getting after Justin Fields. My guess would be they're going to look at Lucas Patrick and say that's free eats. Let's go right get him. Yep. Let's get him. They're probably going to look at Darnell Wright and say, oh, that's a rookie. Let's go after him as well. So I think you're going to see a little bit of that, especially lining people up off the right side of the Bears offensive line and going at Lucas Patrick because he is bad. Um, so I'm not looking forward to that. And by extension, you could also say, how's Phil Herbert going to do his pass protection as well? So is he going to be able to right, slide over from and, and be able to pick up that blitzer or pick up a Kenny Clark as they get by? Cause we know. Yeah, or like, or yeah, like some, uh, some Khalil Herbert versus Quay Walker or something. Oof. It's like, I don't know if I want to see that. My hate was the bears rushing defense against the Packers rushing offense. Oh. Bears led the league in yards given up. They led the league in rushing touchdowns given up. It it was bad. It's just bad, bad. And that's why you went out and you got guys like a TJ Edwards and a Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, and that's when you have Jordan Love, who he's not he's not a rookie, but again, he's play he started one game. You're gonna treat him a little bit like a rookie, especially when you don't have the receivers that you would like to have. Uh, especially when you do have a left tackle that still isn't hundred percent in terms of, you know, he's not a spring chicken anymore. You're gonna lean on your run game. And can you stop Aaron Jones? Can you stop A.J. Dillon? Uh, last year, the answer was unequivocally no when it came to most teams running the ball. So does that change this year? Lastly, for this section, rehabilitate. I, I said that, you know, I was going to feed off of something you said earlier in terms of Justin Fields and how when, you know, he gets a bucket, all of a sudden he's feeling himself and he can stack plays. My rehabilitate is Luke Getzey play calling. Now, I'm going to set this up by saying, Potentially, this was part of the tank of effort. I understand that. But I swear, if I see a repeat of Justin throwing a bomb to a receiver and then they go run, run, pass, run. field goal, or run, 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 run even, yeah, whatever that is, I'm going to lose it. So does Luke Getze throw away the tank playbook? And is he bringing in the, okay, we're, we're going to make things work. We're going to go to work. We're going to eat playbook and let Justin feel himself. Cause that's how he is. He, he is absolutely the, Hey, let me hit a layup. Let me hit a mid range jumper. And then all of a sudden now my threes start going right. All this. And that's the kind of guy. And that's how you need to call plays. Don't hamstring him by just running the ball a ton. Don't ham. I love the quarterback runs. They're great, but I don't need that. I don't want that to be what you lean on right now. You have them in your arsenal to use when you need them, but I don't need that to be the first play you call. I don't need that to be like, or anything of that nature. So can Luke Getzley call plays 
like he's trying to win the damn game. Yes, and I'm, I'm going <laughs> to... I guess I'm going to go ahead and give him the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what? It, it, it probably had something to do with we want to lose, <laughs> right? And 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 it's like, okay, well, Justin, we, 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 don't, we don't want you to do too good. You know what I mean? I think the, the rehabilitate is going to be how are you going to generate pass rush? I think that is that is the biggest question this defense has to offer. And, and this is from somebody who's like, I don't even necessarily care how good the defense is. I just I want to see if Justin Fields is good and if this offense is going to be good. And if you can win some of those games that you just managed to be competitive in um, finally instead of, uh, you know, you get close enough and then Justin Fields and, and the offense can't convert, right? Whether it's, you know, they can't get – they can't – you know, they go three and out because they can't pass the ball. Somebody's dropping it. Justin Fields getting sacked, what have you. Um, or like, you're, you're just like missing a field goal, which unfortunately happened a couple, has happened a couple of times in the last couple of years, they get in game winning situations and Cairo Santos has not come through for whatever reason, though. Sometimes it's because he's kicking a 63 or four yarder, which is like, why are you having him do that? I think Yannick Ngakwe is going to be really interesting for, for me. How much of an upgrade is that? Right. Because He's, he's definitely kind of a pass-rushing mercenary at this point in his career. Um, he will go to whomever pays him the best uh, at any given time. I want to know if, if he can be somebody that I don't necessarily see him as, oh, yeah, he's going to be dominant and he's going to get 20 sacks. But can you get 10 sacks? And if you can be a 10-sack kind of player and like a 50-pressure kind of player somewhere in that general vicinity, um, does that help? The guys on the other side of things. Does that help Zach Pickens when he's in the game? Because we've seen a little bit of pass rushing chop from him, right? If you're so worried about Yannick Ngakwe looping inside on some of these stunts on the outside, does that let Zach Pickens slip inside the way that he did against Tennessee in preseason game one, right? Can, can, you, can you sneak through like that? Does Dominique Robinson, for all of his physical tools, does, he act, does having somebody like Ngakwe on the other side of things help him as a pass rusher definitely not going to help him as a run defender because neither one of them can defend the run or or <laughs> wants to defend the run so that's that's a that's another issue here but basically have the additions that they have made we haven't even talked about demarcus walker and machine green have the additions right. that they have made even just like the veterans are they enough to make this pass rush passable because if they're passable then, I mean, the defense isn't going to be great, but they'll be more middle of the pack, and that would be a major improvement. Significantly, from probably one of, if not the worst, pass rushes that from last year. X Factor for the Packers. Who do you got? Um, Luke Musgrave, because I think that the first thing that the Bears are going to do, especially if Christian Watson can't play, is look at Romeo Dubs and be like, okay, well, that's your guy. We're going to go ahead and put our best cover man on him, see how it goes. And then can Luke Musgrave punish one-on-one -on -one matchups? Because in the end, we know that like, you can't call Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon X-Factors because we know what they are. They have been running on the Bears for a little bit now. We're, we're not, they're going to run the ball. I mean, this is Jordan Love that we're talking about in his second career start. They're going to want to run the football. But 
do they have another pass catcher that can potentially punish you? If Luke Musgrave scores a touchdown or has somewhere in the 50-yard range, that's problematic for the Chicago Bears. My original one was Christian Watson until, you know, apparently he's not going to be playing. So I'm going to just scrap that. I could stick with it, but I I really don't think he's going to play, to be completely honest. We'll see you on Friday. So I'm going to switch mine to Sean Gary. I think mm-hmm. if he can just, just create havoc in the middle, because that's where – if you have pressure on the edge, Justin a lot of times can get away from it. When you have pressure up the middle and, you, you know, you just mess up his timing, it's right in his face right away, that's when bad things happen. That's when the sacks happen. That's when some of those fumbles have occurred. So if if he can take advantage on the inside, you know, now all of a sudden, totally different conversation. Uh, X factor for the Bears. I'm going to say the combo of Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards, right? If you can, and it's, it's kind of a two-level thing, you know, I almost kind of think of TJ Edwards as my really smart, not that Tremaine Edmonds isn't smart, but he's got a lot of the more physical stuff that really helps him out. But TJ Edwards is kind of that always the right place, right time kind of guy, you know, being there, stopping the run. Uh, and Tremaine Edmonds, he struggled a little bit in some of his his run defense, to be honest. But if he can take, right, like drop back and kind of a step, make Jordan Love have to have that difficult throw over the top of him, now all of a sudden you're taking away the run game a little bit. You're also taking away that short to intermediate pass game. All The game is totally different. I think I already mentioned somebody that I think is or a couple of guys that are X factor worthy in Claypool and Mooney, but I'm going to say something else, something that guy that maybe we've forgotten about a little bit here. Deontay Foreman. Yeah. I think that Khalil Herbert is the best pure runner on the team right now. But if we're talking about pass protection on, on important downs in Game one. I mean, I, I could absolutely envision Roshan Johnson being that guy down the line, but for game one of game the regular one. season, yep. I think that's probably going to be Deontay Foreman. I think could be wrong. We'll see. But if he can step up, stick his nose in there and keep linebackers blitzers off of Justin Fields, if he can help Darnell, because I, I feel like there's going to be an interesting one. So I feel like Braxton Jones in his second year, is probably going to get more assignments on an island than than he did before. And now it's going to be about helping Darnell Wright. Go ahead and throw a nice strong chip into whichever edge rusher is over there and and make him kneel down for a second. Make him touch grass. That could be the difference in the game. Because to me, it's you you can't have Herbert out there as a three-down back right now. I think he's too much of a liability. And so you, you've got to be able to play your backups. And right now, the, the, the more experienced backup is Foreman. And if he can show that he is useful as a pass protector and as a check down option, and maybe even as a late game option where it's like, okay, look, we, we, need, we want to run the ball. We've got a lead. Go ahead and, and use that big old battering ram dude and go at them. Okay? I, I think that he could be – very underratedly important in this game. So Packers are winning 24-21. Bears get the ball. Three minutes and 22 seconds left on the clock. Who is your, your running back? It's going to be Dante Foreman in there? Yes. I I can see why. Yes. I 100% can see why. Because it's time to pass. And I don't think Khalil Herbert has even shown that he's a particularly good pass catcher yet either. So I'm going with Deontay Foreman. 
I think that that might even be a that might be a, a bit of a rich position for a Roshan Johnson unless he's really really impressed them. But I think that's the kind of role that I can envision for him later on. But for this game, you're talking two minute drill. Nah, give me well, okay, give me Foreman or Travis Homer. I think that's another guy that we forgot about because Travis yeah. Homer has been that guy for the Seattle Seahawks for a while. So exactly. I think I think it's one of them. I, I can see it. Uh, all right. So now we're going to move to kind of our superlative fun part of the show, a little more rapid fire for the most part. Um, first one coming up is over-unders. I have some over-unders for Kyrie to run through here. Uh, he gets about a sentence to justify his answer if he wants to, but that's about it. So first off, Justin Fields touchdowns, one and a half. Over. Over. Okay. No, we're, talking total, to- we're talking about total touchdowns? Yeah, I just said touchdowns. Over. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan Love passing yards, 210.5. Ooh. Over. Packers turnovers forced, 0.5. Over. It's kind of one of those. It's, 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 yeah, you're going to get one, right? It's probably going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe sacks, one and a half. Under. Packers rushing yards, 157.5. Under. All right. Then that, that is the average yards that the Bears gave up last year, 157. Yeah. I mean, all right. Game predictions. Uh, we're going to run through a couple games here. First off, let's just do it. Green Bay Packers at Chicago Bears. Uh, these lines I grabbed today, so they could have changed even since I grabbed them. Keep that in mind. But Bears are favored one and a half at home, which basically means nothing. <laughs> who, do you, who do you got? So this is Bears Packers. Bears Packers Sorry. one and a half. Get, all right. Ah, give me, give me Bears. Bears to cover. Uh, I'll say I'm going to say Bears on this one too. Um, 31 to 24. Uh, you don't need a score, but I just felt like throwing that out there. Um, Detroit Lions at Kansas City Chiefs, our Thursday night game. Chiefs are favored by five and a half. Who you got? Lions. Give me Lions to cover that one. Lions to cover. All right. Uh, like a backdoor cover? Yeah, I think something yeah. like that. I'm. I'm not even gonna say anything. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Minnesota Vikings. Vikings favored uh, by six. Vikings and and who? Sorry, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, they'll, they'll give me Vikings. Bucks just aren't. I don't think they're gonna be good. No, they're gonna be bad. Uh, and then the Monday night game. Buffalo Bills at New York Jets. Bills favored two and a half. That's going to be fun. Um, Bills favored two and a half. Uh, I think they're going to cover that. Okay. I would agree with you. I would pick the Bills here. Uh, You know, the Jets got... They're all fancy with Aaron Rodgers and all that jazz, but still, still you got to show you got to show me, show me, right? Still a new connection between him and Garrett Wilson. You know that defense is scary, but the Bills are still the Bills. There's a reason why you know they, they, they've been what they have been the last couple of years. A coccyx and bull story. This is our bold prediction area. One offensive, one defensive. I'll go with mine first on defense. Kyle Gordon will get an interception. 
He showed a knack to get around near the ball, and I think that continues. Yes. What do you got? Uh, I think <laughs> oh I, I I remember having kind of a wild one before, but I don't I don't think I'm gonna get that wild. But Chase Claypool receiving touchdown. First one with the Bears. Let's go. No, that's funny because that was my that was that was my offensive one. Chase Claypool will get a touchdown. I think they're going to get in the red zone, you know, that 30-yard-ish extended red zone. They're going to throw a high point, and he's going to show everyone that, you know, I can big boy it up in the corner. Yep. All right. Defensively, Dominique Robinson sack. Ooh, I like that one. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm getting spicy. Let's go. Offensive player of the game. Justin Fields, bro. Justin Fields. That's the answer. Defensive player of the game. Tremaine Edmonds. I had Tremaine Edmonds as well. Hey, great minds think alike. And of course, that means King of the North, aka MVP, is going to be. There can be just one. It is Justin Fields. Um, th- this is it. This is where he establishes it. This is where Bears start to take the North. Kyrie, I want to thank you so much for joining us on this episode. It's always amazing having you in. And I think uh, you've changed the locale a bit since the last time you were on, right? In terms of where people can find you and your content. Yes, I'm over at. Uh, radio. Uh, your mic went again. I know because because she's swatting with her lightsaber. Um, but uh, is too strong. Boston right now, and I've got a site that I write at uh, adtnosports.blog, and I occasionally drop something on Windy City Gridiron. Getting back to my people, you know what's up. There it is. There it is. All right, again, thank you so much for coming in. I'm gonna let you get back to daddy duty. Uh, you've been away too long from that super cute girl. Uh, you know, number, Justin Fields, number one fan. Bear down, everybody. <laughs>